Hey guys, welcome to the C1 Church Podcast. I pray that this message encourages you, builds your faith, and helps you go after Jesus. If you'd like more information about C1 Church, please go to our website at c1.church. Enjoy the message and be blessed. I have one thought for you guys today, and I want us to chew on it. I wrestled this thought to the ground in, in the in the... If I had one one thing I want to say to you, Christmas is for everyone. What does that mean? What does Christmas is for everyone mean? It means God sees you. God sees you. He sees what you're going through. He sees what you're in. God sees you. Because Christmas is for everyone. <clears throat> There's something to be said about the first people that Jesus chose to be revealed to and get worshiped by the very day he was born the shepherds. Traditionally, historically, shepherds were social outcasts. They were on the lowest of the trades, like you're talking about masons, carpenters, all that. Um, Biblically, carpenters actually included masonry and everything. It was just a trade. And shepherds were the lowest trade. They were frowned upon by society. They were social outcasts to their society in the first century. And yet God, in his infinite wisdom, chose to open heaven over a Judean hillside and declare the majesty of God to a group of social outcasts. All of the glory, the Bible says, that Jesus is, is, is all of God wrapped up in bodily form. All the glory of God was in Christ. And yet, he did not declare himself to a palace. He didn't declare himself to the most powerful man on earth, saying, step aside, I'm here. He didn't declare himself to Caesar Augustus. He didn't declare himself to Herod. He didn't declare himself to the mayors of Bethlehem or, or, or Jerusalem. He didn't declare himself to anyone prominent. He declared himself to social outcast. He opened heaven to social outcast. And they got to see the vast hordes of angels. <laughs> because Christmas is for Everyone. Which makes what the, what the shepherds did so much more powerful. If an if a outcast in our society ran up to you and said, Dude, I just saw the heavens open and it told me something. What would we do? We would tell them, go back to the birds that you feed in the park. You're crazy. And God 
Yet God chose the most unlikely people to first declare his message. Because Christmas is for everyone. The very outcast, the very person that, that the society writes off, God sees. God sees. And you might be, you might be listening or watching or, or here today and you feel like God's not seeing you or hearing you. God sees you from the very start before he did anything else. Jesus has always done things backwards and upside down. His whole kingdom is a backwards and upside down kingdom. He says, if you want to lead, then you got to serve. If you want to become great, then you got to become a slave. It's backwards and upside down. You want to be used powerfully, figure out ways to, to wash feet. Not literally, but figuratively. Serve. It's backwards and upside down. And even from his birth, he was establishing a backwards and upside down kingdom. He, he is always defying our logic and the way we think. If you feel like, how can God use me? I've done this, 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 and this. I'm a social outcast. My family's rejected me. I think that's you're a perfect candidate for God's glory to be revealed in. I think that you're a perfect candidate for God to use because he makes a habit of using backwards and upside down. Every one of his disciples, he, he, he could have got people that were teachers to follow him. He could have got religious leaders, but he got tradesmen, people that didn't study, people that weren't qualified, and yet those are the people he chose because God sees you. Christmas is for everyone. Christmas is for everyone. He's always doing the opposite of what we think. I want to tell you right out the start, we're going to take communion and we're going to celebrate Jesus. But I cut my message down to five hours today. I'm just joking. Amy said, you've got to make it quick. And so I, 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 I've been praying about this all week. I'm like, Lord, what, what do you want to say? Tell my people that I see them. I see them. Christmas is for everyone. He came for everyone. The social outcast, he came for. I think if you think you're qualified, those are the people that God tends to not use. God announces his birth of his son by erupting heaven into our physical realm. Erupting. It wasn't just like a slight crack. All of heaven showed up. Because this is the biggest deal the world has ever seen. This is the biggest deal our universe has ever seen. God stepped in to finite. When you think about this, a God that's never needed anything. Needed. He needed to be fed. He needed to be warm. He needed care. He subjected himself to the care of people. God. 
I don't like sometimes I, I, I ponder this when you, when you really think about this sacrifice of Christ and you think about the nitty gritty of it, his butt had to be wiped. God, like, well, why'd you have to go there? That's gross. That's how big of a sacrifice. His diapers had to be changed. He had to be burped. He, he had spit up. God, because he sees you. Because Christmas is for you. Christ among us, Emmanuel. And there's something to be said, not just about the fact that he chose shepherds to reveal himself to, but it's the shepherds that he revealed himself to. They were the shepherds around Bethlehem. There's a tower that was around Bethlehem that the shepherds kind of like, that was their region that they raised the sheep. But it wasn't just any sheep that these shepherds were guarding. These shepherds were guarding the very sheep that were used in the temple for sacrifice. I I want you to think about how God coordinated this because the shepherds were guarding the sacrificial system. So every year, the Jews would come to, well, throughout the year, they would come make sacrifices, but on Passover, there had to be a spotless lamb presented. And what they would normally, you could bring your own, but the, what would happen is the, the, the priest would inspect your lamb, and they would be like, oh, there's a blemish here, but we have these lambs available for you to buy. So they would sell lambs at the temple, and these shepherds were guarding the lambs that they sold, and they were all spotless without blemish, and then they would be used in the temple sacrifices to remove sin. So here we have heaven erupting over the very shepherds that were guarding the very thing that Jesus is going to replace. Only God can coordinate that. They guarded the sacrificial sheep. But when they encountered the Lamb of God, they worshipped. Do you see the difference? They guarded religion. And that's the thing with religion. If you feel the need to guard your belief system, you're probably being legalistic. If you feel the need to, like, oh, we need to do this. We've always done that. That's legalism. If you feel the need to guard it, you're probably being religious and legalistic. That's the difference. We always feel the need. We, we always feel the need to guard and preserve religion. But when we encounter Emmanuel, God with us, we don't need to guard, we just need to worship. That's the significance of Christmas. We don't have to guard this anymore. We don't have to defend this anymore. We can just come to God, Emmanuel, God with us, and worship. We can have pure, unhindered relationship because of the Lamb of God. That's the point. Jesus didn't come to give us religion. He didn't come for us to do a good job. He didn't come for our best efforts. He came for you. Because he sees you. 
because Christmas is for everyone. He came for the outcast whose society wrote off. He came for the people whose families rejected them. He came for the people who have been abandoned and broken, who the world has treated and cast out, the, maybe even the church, you know, we're not perfect, has, has mistreated. He came. He came for the regal. That's, that's the power. You know, the shepherds were the first, but guess who came about 12 days later? These royal magi, the regal, came to worship because Christmas is for everyone. He came for the regal and the royal. He came for you and me. So what we're going to do in honor of him coming, because it wasn't just him coming and stepping into earth and just to show up and, hey, this is cool. Let's see how my creation lives. That's not it. He came because we can't get to God. He came because our best efforts on our best days fall short at getting to God. And there is the doctrine of the great exchange, and it's wrapped up in one verse in 1 Corinthians. God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us. That we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. The great exchange. So Jesus stepped into earth born in a manger in the lowest of low in a feeding trough for, for farm animals. Lived for 33 years. I once heard it said he lived 30 years of preparation for three years of ministry for three hours of sacrifice on a cross for three days later to be raised from the dead. That was his life. Three, 30, years of ministry, uh, 30 years of preparation for three years in ministry, for three hours on a cross, for three days later to be raised to life. And the great exchange is so powerful because Jesus lived the life that we can't live. We can't live it. We can't live a spotless life free from sin. And sin is so vile to God that it hinders our relationship with us. But when Jesus went to the cross, God accredited he, he gave Jesus all of our sin, put it on him. And then he took Jesus' righteousness and put it on us. God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us. That's the point of Bethlehem. That's the point of the manger. that we might have relationship, that we might have righteousness. Righteousness, I say this all the time, is a churchy word, but it simply means right standing with God. When God sees us, he doesn't see our sin because our sin is on Christ on the cross. He sees God's righteousness. He sees Jesus when he looks at you. Even if like you, you might say, I woke up in sin this morning. Have you given your life to Jesus? Because Jesus sees you. God sees Jesus all over you. He all, when, when you give your life to Jesus, and you say, God, forgive me of all my sin, 
He forgives you, past, present, and future. All of it's forgiven. The debt has been paid. There's not one sin that's ever been committed that Christ's cross doesn't cover the cost. And then you say, come be Lord of my life. I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart. I believe you're the son of God. I believe that you died on the cross. I believe you rose again. You, you, you say, come be Lord of my life. The Bible says we're a new creation. And at that point, we're fully, fully covered in the righteousness of God. He makes us right with him that moment. And there's always, always a lens that God looks through. It's called Jesus. He, he sees Mr. Edward, but he sees Edward, but he sees Jesus all over him. And it doesn't matter how old or how young, he sees my son, but he sees Jesus. That's the great exchange. God credited Jesus with our sin, and he credited us with Jesus' righteousness, all because of Bethlehem and the cross and the resurrection. So let's stand. As I prayed and I thought, God, how do we wrap up Christmas? Words fall short. It doesn't matter if I preach the best message or the worst message. It doesn't matter. It's always going to fall short of the glory and the, the story of Christ. But what can we do? I started praying and, and I felt like the Lord said, take communion. Because the point of the manger is the cross. The point of Bethlehem is the empty tomb. So let's come together and let's gather our communion. It's on the front on each side. And we're going to pray together. We're going to take communion together. And we're going to celebrate Jesus. Because when you think about communion, it is powerful. It's recognizing all that Christ did. It's recognizing Bethlehem to the empty tomb. The manger to the throne. bachelor's degree to open these. You might need a high school diploma though. Growing up, we always almost treated communion like a funeral. Like it was a somber thing. And it's not. Communion is a celebration of what Jesus did for us. The cross, obviously, it's horrible what Christ went through, but it's a celebration that of his love and his triumph over death for us. And, and what we have here is just a tiny wafer cardboard cracker thing. But it represents 
the fact that Jesus went to a post before his crucifixion and was beaten to a pulp on our behalf. The Roman scourging, most people didn't make it through the scourging. They would die as they were beaten, beaten, because they went through a myriad of different things. They would they would beat them with poles and rods, and then they would work their way up. They would they would beat them with with what they call the cat of nine tails. It's it's nine pieces of leather with metal and glass wrapped in the end. They had um, pieces of wood with metal wrapped around the end, and they would beat their prisoners. And Isaiah foretold this in in the in his prophecy of the suffering servant. It says. Um, he was wounded for our transgressions. So transgressions are sins that we don't know that we commit. He was wounded for those. Like the sins that we commit that we don't even realize we committed. Like maybe you gossiped and you didn't realize you were gossiping. I mean, I mean, we've all done that. Or you lied and you didn't realize it was a lie at the time. You just you thought what you were saying was true, but it turns out to be false sins that we don't commit. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Now, iniquities, it's a lot worse, man. Iniquities are, are, are the sins that we know we commit. Like, you got tempted, and you, 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 you succumbed to your temptation, and you fell into sin, and you willingly, knowing it was a sin, committed sin. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our sin was upon him all of it all of it was on him and by his stripes we are healed we are healed and so how i like to to do this is this represents our physical healing it's not just a oh uh, emotion that we go through but if you need healing i believe you should stand on the word of god Let it not just be something we quote. Let it be something we believe. By his stripes, we are healed. Peter even echoes this. By Christ's stripes, Peter says, we are healed. If you need healing today, I want you to declare what you need healing over. In fact, let's just pray this together. Jesus, your body heals my body. Now, let's, I can't pray this for you, but if you need healing in your body, I want you to declare what you need healing. If you know someone that needs healing in their physical body, maybe it's not maybe it's physical, maybe it's a a mental uh, or, or emotional sickness that they need healing of, declare that. He's our healer. He's, it's not like, oh, well, it's emotional. That has something to do with the brain. I can't heal that. No, he's God, and he can do it all. So let's pray. Let's stand on the word of God, which never fails. His promises are fulfilled in Christ. Let's stand. Let's believe him, and let's, de- let's thank him. Jesus, we thank you. Lord, I thank you for the healing that you brought to me. I thank you, Lord, for every person that needs a miracle today in their physical body. I thank you, Jesus, that you are our healer, that you came 2,000 years ago through the womb of a virgin, died on my cross, raised to life to give me life, to set me free, and to heal me. 
Lord, I pray for supernatural health over your church. I pray for every person that needs a physical healing in their body, that you will heal them. Every person that needs emotional healing, that you will heal them. Every person that needs um, a mental, maybe they're suffering from depression or anxiety, that you bring peace and joy in the mighty name of Jesus. And Lord Jesus, I just thank you that you went to the post and took that beating for us. Your body heals our body because you are so good. We thank you, Jesus. And let's take together. better, right? If giving us divine health and healing our physical bodies wasn't enough, the blood of Jesus, the Bible says there is no removal of sin without the shedding of blood. The blood of Jesus sets us free. Let's say that together. The blood of Jesus sets me free. So say it again. The blood of Jesus sets me free. What does it set us free from? It sets us free from the power of sin death in the grave. It sets us free from guilt and shame. It sets us free from the power of the enemy over our lives. It sets us free from fear. It sets us free from anxiety. It sets us free. The blood of Jesus sets us free. And what does the Bible say about freedom? Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. It removes all sin and its hold over our life. It, it, only God can take something red and make us white. <laughs> he washes us in the blood of Jesus and makes us white as snow. Next time you guys have red food coloring, drop that on a white t-shirt and see if it makes it white. It doesn't. But the blood of Jesus, what we call justification, it makes us pure and holy before God. He makes us as righteous as if we never sinned. I once heard justification defined as just as if I never sinned. That is so true, but it's so much deeper. It's not just as if you never sinned. He fully forgives you and he fully gives you right standing with God, fully makes you righteous. He fully gives you power of attorney. Ask anything in his name. It fully makes you a son or a daughter of God, the blood of Jesus. You, when, when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we are part of the family. That's the point of the, of the manger. So let's, let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you that your blood has set us free. It has made us friends with you. It has made us children. We thank you, Jesus. Now let's partake. And I truly believe the only true and proper response to communion is worship. So let's worship. 
Let's worship. Jesus, we love you. Oh, how we Jesus, I pray. 
Amen. We love you guys. Merry Christmas.